Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 14 years. But this is the place where we talk about cocktails. We'll be talking about products, we'll be talking about books, and we'll be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the drinks world and asking them for their top tips to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends, cocktail-wise. So, let's hear what's on the show this week. As the song goes, here comes summer. Whether it's a whole heatwave across 10 glorious weeks or a mere 10 days, or probably less. Our thoughts are turning to summer drinking. We're trying a couple of bottled pre-mixed cocktails, perfect for picnics and barbecues. One, a full flavour non-alc take on the Paloma, the Secura Paloma. The other, a full-bodied margarita. More specifically, the award-winning Mirror Margarita. As for our book, we're opening up Easy Tiki. A modern revival with 60 recipes, which takes all that's great about this good times drinking style and simplifies it for the home bartender. Our bar takes us to London City, Ireland, where we enjoyed some evening sunshine, inside and outside, at Soda and Friends, along with some bloody good drinks. And our guest this week is Michele Mariotti, head of bars at the iconic Glen Eagles in Scotland. He tells us about the beautiful bars, brand new drinks menu, and a whole lot more, including some suggestions for making the most of our summer drinking. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. So the weatherman has promised us a bit of a heat wave coming to Blighty. So we are thinking summery drinks. So I am going to make for us a scroppino. Again, please. Scroppino. (laughs) It's actually created in Venice. It used to be served to the Venetian aristocrats during dinner to aid digestion or in between courses for as a palate cleanser. Mm. Um, It's very simple. It's 25 mils of vodka, 75 mils of Prosecco, and two scoops of lemon sorbet. And we're going to blend those ingredients together. So I've actually got them waiting in the blender. So, Gary, while I go and switch on the blender, you carry on. Maybe you can hum or do something. I'll just just chat away. I'll just chat away. But no, I like like these ones where I can commentate because I can can verify now that you've, you've vacated your seat. You've headed off into the kitchen area. And there it goes. There goes the blender. That was quick. Very simple. Oh, wow. I was expecting like one of those long 30 second blends. No no sooner had I got excited about the blender going on than it stopped. Right. I can hear the ice going in. I can't quite see you. So I'm just going by the sound effects. But yeah, the ice is going in. And I'm getting a little waft of something, I must Mm. admit. Something something smelling rather nice. Right. Here it comes, folks. Oh. And there it is. Oh, that looks good. One second. Where's the grater gone? I'm going to grate a little lemon 
Yeah. Over each. Do you want to describe your glassware? And well, we've stuff? got some um, flute glasses yeah. that have been chilled. Yeah. Beautifully. And also, I've only done a very slight amount of blending because right, we don't, it was, it was because we've short. got the prosecco in mm. there. It's fizzy already. Mm. It's got a nice colour. This. Yes. It's glowing. Also, a lot of these recipes, you could just have the prosecco in the glass and float the lemon sorbet on top yeah but i like this version because it's nice and creamy mm. it's got a lovely consistency and a gorgeous color cheers. so cheers cheers, cheers. Mm. isn't that delicious yeah you're right about the creaminess you wouldn't get that otherwise would you no and you can have this as a dessert if you like you can have it just as a beautiful summery drink mm. but i think it brings lovely fruitiness and yeah, summery goodness in a glass. Damn delicious. So that's your scrapino. So first up, drinks-wise, I'm going for the Secura Paloma. Now, this is a collaboration between Everleaf and Lockdown Liquor. Everleaf, we actually rec- reviewed some of their products. Oh, on, a long time ago. Yeah, I think in our, last year our first, I think in our first season, I wow. think. But I remember we both really, really like mm. really, really good non-alcoholic beverages. And as I say, they've teamed up with Lockdown Liquor to do a limited edition. And it is in honour of Japanese cherry blossom season, which I think was quite recently. Mm. Hence the name, Secura. So it's a Secura Paloma. And yes, non-alc. So let's just see. The bottle is very clean, very simple. Nice nice little label there. I'll just pass that to you. Yeah, it's, it's um, very... Very subtle embossing, which is the cherry blossom. Yeah, it has got... The, it, it comes in the same bottle that the Everleaf liquors come in but it's got a different sort of label and as you say that embossed um, cherry blossom is absolutely gorgeous so let's see what color is that i would say it's a sort of dusty pink would you say okay yeah cloudy Um, pink cloudy cloudy, Mm. yeah cloudy pink so they do recommend you know as a serve having with a splash of silver and a garnish of grapefruit Mm. but as we generally do we're going to have it Neat. I just remember it does say give it a little shake because I think there might be some settling. I can open if I can. Whoops. Ah, there it goes. Yeah. Screw top. Here we are. So let me just pour you. So as I say, this is all pre-mixed. So perfect to take out on your BBQ. Well, that's what we want to do this episode is talk about things that are pre-mixed and very ready to go for summer and Barbies, all Mm. of that sort of stuff, which is... I jumped ahead a little bit there and got dive straight in. Oh, that's lovely, isn't Mm. it? Really nice and refreshing. Really beautifully balanced. Really feels great. And this is us doing this on just... No ice, no anything. Yeah, so I think, you know, as I say, with us a splash of soda, I wouldn't, yeah. put, too, I wouldn't put too much no, soda in I, there. No, it doesn't really need it. But yeah. actually, this way you can taste all of that tanginess. It's almost like a grapefruit sharpness to it. Yeah, and it, it, as I said, they recommend uh, putting a, a grapefruit garnish on, which mm. I think is a good idea. But I think as a drink, it's um, it, it proves it again. There are some really good non-alc things going on, and I think Everleaf particularly are doing a really yeah, great, they're grand job on that front. So that is the Secura 
Paloma limited edition. So get it while you can. It's a 500 ml bottle for 25 pounds, which they say equates to five serves. So lovely. Love it. Like that very much. So for my ready to drink, I'm going for the Mira Margarita times the Lost Explorer mezcal gift box Ooh. it's a lovely little package it comes with a 500 ml bottle of mirror margarita yeah. not just mirror margarita award-winning mirror margarita Absolutely. which is created by dino moncrief who used to be um, an ambassador global ambassador yeah. for lots of tequilas that's his big thing he also has an amazing bar called atcha one in Dalston, one in Brixton. And this margarita, I'm I'm ashamed that we haven't reviewed it before, actually, because they've done, yeah, but they've done some amazing things as well as winning numerous awards. They're also listed in Sainsbury's. They've done all of these amazing things around the category. And Mira Margarita is this wonderful, clear margarita that has all of the elements of margarita, mm. but absolutely crystal clear it looks looking at it in the bottle it makes it look very premium doesn't it? oh god yes i love the design it's a really super understated bottle there's hardly anything on it got a lovely double m logo which is very neat and just says mirror margarita very discreetly at the bottom Mm. and it's i just it's a really nice bottle yeah it does look great the recipe itself took six months to perfect yeah and that wonderful bottle design and the creative content around it because it even has its own website this margarita and that was by emma which is um dino's partner Mm. and the the two of them together make the perfect collaboration so now let's taste the drink so we're pouring it over ice it's ready to mix ready to drink even (laughs) drink and it contains the lost explorer mezcal it has the actua homemade sour mix kaffir lime eucalyptus and salt and it comes in at 18 percent abv so poured gary's we've poured it over ice yeah and and that's it so you just pour there's nothing you have nothing to do do, and it smells divine Oh, You've got wow. that big hit of mezcal. Oh, that lovely. Mm, that's, that aroma is amazing. Oh, wow. It's the perfect balance of sweet, sour, complex, but accessible. Mm. You've got that lovely heat of the mezcal at the end, the smokiness, I'd say, yeah. but very subtly. It's nothing to scare away I the neighbours. I was going to say that if you're not a fan of smoky things, this isn't going to frighten no. you away. So it's got, as you say, it's sort of there just delicate in the background background. yeah and this kit actually comes with 200 mil bottle of the lost explorer mezcal so that's in addition to the yeah so in the kit and it also has two of these lovely recycled little cups for tasting the mezcal but this is made from recycled agave fiber which is usually tossed away brilliant we love that sort of thing and it's actually fully biodegradable in one to five years so that gives you the opportunity to taste the mezcal on its own but it's made already for you mixed into a margarita if mezcal's not your thing they do do a mirror margarita with a tequila as well and it's all available from the mirror margarita website Mm -hmm. or from atcha bars but we will put all of the details on our show notes and in the instagram feed And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. 
Hi, my name is Sly Gustin. I'm the owner of Trailer Happiness Cocktail Bar, and my cocktail hack is Falernum. Falernum is a delicious syrup that contains spices, almond nuts, and lime, and it basically brings to any drink so many of the core ingredients that you want to bring to a cocktail. So with just a few ingredients, you can create a really delicious, complex drink. So very recently, we headed over to what we used to call Canning Town. Back in the old days when we grew up in East London, where Indeed. you knew where you were. Yeah. But now it's called, Canning Town is now what? London City Island. I mean, really, it does sound better. <laughs> Upgrade, yeah. So that's where we went. And it's, it's nice to go there, actually, because there's a little bit of town we haven't explored. No, and it's completely, this part in particular, very new build. It's like a well completely new city yeah this place that we went to soda and friends has made itself very familiar in the neighborhood i would say yes, it really has i don't know how long it's been open but it feels really at home yes, it, as a yes. neighborhood bar it's, it's relatively new isn't it yeah i think about either a year or something yeah. year or two two yeah, maximum it feels like it's a key part yeah, of that neighborhood yeah, when exactly. you walk around there and it's got a great location within the neighborhood yeah so yeah. it's called soda and friends and do you want to describe the premise it's, it's it's not on a, it's on a pedestrianized walkway so that's nice so you know sometimes you sit outside particularly in london and you're right on a road which isn't that appealing but this is out they've got a great outside space but it overlooks a pedestrianized area so lots of people walking around people walking their dogs so there's a, a great outside area but then when you go inside it's floor to ceiling glass and it's got a two aspects that are all glass so you get lots of natural light and everything about it feels very natural the textures inside natural wood natural metals really great bar stalls but it's just very pared back and you know you cut you want to hunker down there yeah so that's the premises the premise of the place is about soda and friends so it is about highballs yeah and as they say their tagline's very much about highballs being the future and having been there i must say that i totally agree mm. with them so it's about hero in a base spirit and lengthening it with a soda or one of their liqueurs and just sort of having some to the actual drink and it also showcases the depth and b variety of what people think is a humble drink as being the highball. I agree. I think you said, <laughs> you said a mouthful there. You said a mouthful. Yeah, so yeah. it's by Nate Brown and Heavy Richardson. Yeah. And also we have Immy, um, who's, I think she's the bar manager there, but she's definitely a head honcho yeah. behind the stick and running running things, as, as they say. But it's a really fabulous space yeah. and as you were talking about the way that it fits into the neighborhood i think that the inclusivity aspect of it is really worth shouting about mm. because it's child friendly it's dog friendly it's wheelchair accessible it's just a really gorgeous space throughout the day and yeah. you know i i loved it yeah and i think as i touched on earlier i think in terms of the design mm. I, I really like the fact that we we went there 
late afternoon, early evening, one weekend. And so we had our first drink outside before going inside. And outside it was great because, you know, we were watching the sun go yes. down. And watching a, the neighbours yeah, and stuff. Yeah, and it just felt very home. There's mm. the dog walkers. And it was really a nice place to sit outside without traffic fumes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But again, inside it has this lovely Scandi Japanese yeah, minimalism about it, yeah. it. And, you know, wherever you are, I think it's great. So should we talk about the drinks we now? We should. So the menu breaks down as chapter one, which is highballs, mm. which you talked about, which is their big thing. Mm. Which is, uh, they've got 10 of those, 10 drinks. Chapter two is lowballs and friends. So mm. that's sort of other kind of classic drinks and their take on classics. And there's also friendly favourites and no and low Mm. as well so, so something did, for everyone yeah so i had a highball to start um, so did i do you did um, yeah what did you have i think i can't remember actually i think it was the house highball which is absolutely <laughs> di- is that what you had that's what i had oh yeah. well maybe i didn't have that what did i have blackberry that was it yeah so it was blackberry port charlotte and peated malt amaro and soda now tell me that yeah. is a complex highball, if ever there was one. And actually, all of those lovely berry, cherry, beautiful notes all came together, lengthened amazingly, lots of complexity. But also, it didn't feel like you were having a big boozy drink. There are quite boozy elements yeah. in there, but it just worked really, really spectacularly well. Uh, yeah, and, and I went for, as we say, I went for the uh, house highball, which was pear, apple, plum mm. uh, with buffalo trace and soda. And I think, uh, echoing what you've just said, I think, um, you know, I tend to like drinks that are sort of a little bit more... Uh, punchy. Punchy, spirit forward, mm. that sort of thing. Um, but a highball, when it's really well done, is a thing of beauty. Mm. And this, this fits right into that class so mm. it, it proves that you can have a long refreshing drink but that can still have lots of depth, depth. and lots of character absolutely they also have um one called jigglypuff which is one of their um best sellers i think that's lychee miso boatyard vodka candy floss and white peach soda as well as my blackberry there's raisins to be cheerful so <laughs> that's raisin fig leaf slow gin Irish whiskey and gin matcha soda. So, you know, really, really good things. These are masters in, in flavour. Yeah, here. yeah. And that, and that went for my second drink as well. So I did sort of move away from the highball section. I went to the lowball section because my eye was caught by something called a super gimlet, which was gunpowder strength gin, lime leaf, censure, cordial. Yeah, you know, it is all about highballs here, but they do these other drinks and they do them mm. bloody well. And this was absolutely delicious. It was rich. It was satisfying. It was full of flavour. I was super, super happy with my mm. super gimlet. And then there's the twice dry martini, which is dry vermouth, fino sherry, olive leaf gin, boatyard vodka and grape. Again, deftly balanced and beautifully flavoured. All of the drinks, which we loved, were priced between nine or ten pounds. There's no yeah. service charge because they say we pay a living yeah. wage so we don't have to do that, which you have to absolutely applaud them for. Yeah. That's the way to go, isn't yeah, it? And they really make a feature of that, and rightly so. Yes. Yeah. Um, they've also, if you do head out there, which we urge you to do during the lighter summer days, they've also opened Nebula, which is um, 
pizza by the slice joint that they have in the island city gardens. Is yeah, that what we're li- calling it? <laughs> yeah. It was literally about less than five minutes walk. From yes, so you could do and it both, only just opened when we, we got would there. Urge, urge you to do. I yeah. mean, pizza and cocktails, that's got to be a winner. Pizza, yes, absolutely. So that is Soda and Friends. And it definitely, definitely gets our thumbs up. So head over there, whether the sun is shining or no. The brand new issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is available now. ABVs, anniversaries, age statements, percentages, three-seater and 300-plus high-volume bars. This is the numbers issue. To get your copy, set up a subscription or gift it in print or digital visit thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. So, summer, sunshine, parties, barbecues. I'm going with a book called Easy Tiki. And that says a modern revival with 60 recipes. And it's by Chloe Frechette or Frechette. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we did actually do a tiki. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought we'd, uh, you, you had picked one out yeah, before, hadn't you? Yeah, and it was a tiki party. Right, okay. Yeah, which I had a lot of fun with. Yeah. I think we had a lot of fun with, <laughs> as I recall. But this is uh, slightly different. It comes with recommendations from both Judy Reiner and Jeff Beachbum Berry. Oh, blimey. Well, so, you can't get much well, better than that. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> if they're both recommending it, you yes. probably... And if you don't know those names, they yeah. are truly, truly two of the top people when it comes to anything cocktails but also tiki in particular so that was a a good starting point and as i say it's it's kind of very much a handbook for home bartenders Mm. i think it's really worth stressing it's absolutely about home bartenders so it takes all that's kind of good about you know what we like about tiki drinks but simplifies them because a lot of tiki drinks can have a lot of ingredients and And there's a great quote in here that i think sets up the whole tone of the book and the uh the author says The time it takes to craft a delicious cocktail should not exceed the time it takes to enjoy it. Blimey, I love that. Rules to live by, I say. (laughs) I think that should go for any cocktail. Everything. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. You know, at home, but particularly with tiki, because as I say, they can have a lot of ingredients. They can be a bit time uh, Mm. demanding. Hawaiian shirt optional, I would say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know you've got a few. I haven't got any. But yeah, yeah, this book, it's got really nice photography I'll pass it over to you. It's kind of, it kind of brings tea here live, but it's not kitsch, the photography. It's kind of nice lifestyle. It looks like it's at home. Mm-hmm. It's broken down very much into recipes, most of which are six ingredients or less. So mm. that's about simplification. There's a little bit of history and background, but and also about the revival in tiki because it. I think it was popular up until I don't know what was thirties, forties, fifties, something like that. Then it fell out of favour. It's come back, but now this is celebrating it in a, in a modern mm. way. I see that there's lots of um, the the recipes come from different. Bartenders, yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah, okay, and uh, and also because it's very much about home, there's lots of nice tips, uh, particularly on batching. So it might seem really obvious, what, you know, some of the batching tips. But I think tips are always a good idea. So there's things about which you know order to do your ingredients, and also don't just scale up everything. So for instance, don't scale up bitters, which 
I think our instinct might just oh, be yeah, scaling yeah. everything mm. up, scaling up. Mm. But she talks about scaling certain things up and still tasting and things right. like that. And the importance of dilution when you're you're batching. So um, it's got some beautiful recipes. It's got the sort of classics in there, but with, as I say, they've been sort of brought up to date. So they're simple to make at home. The syrups aren't too demanding. The ingredients aren't too crazy to find. And then, of course, as you said, there's a lot of new recipes mm. from contemporary bartenders with lovely names like Staycation and Elusive Dreams, you know. Mm. And who wouldn't want a cocktail called Elusive Dreams and so on and so forth. So I think this is a lovely handbook. Perfect, Perfect for, for summer. summer. Um, echoed. <laughs> uh, it's by Barclay Publishing. As I said, it's called Easy Tiki, a modern revival with 60 recipes by Chloe Frechette. And you can find it for around about £13, which I think is a bargain. Wonderful. From northeast Italy to London then Singapore, Michele Mariotti has worked in and been inspired by some of the most influential drinking cultures in the world. He's also spent time and lent his expertise to some of its most prominent bars, the American Bar at the Savoy, Blue Bar at the Barclay and Mo Bar at Mandarin Oriental Singapore amongst them, all of which gained much attention and notched up a number of awards during his tenure. In the past few years, he's swapped city life for the glorious 850-acre playground at Glen Eagles in Scotland, where he's responsible for overseeing the cocktail offerings in all of its 11 food and beverage outlets. In March last year, Michele and the team launched the Book of Berries, a beautiful and delicious menu where each cocktail is made with ingredients sourced from the Glen Eagles ecosystem. But there's plenty more ingenious drinks offerings where that came from, including some very special bottlings and one-of-a-kind experiences, as Michele will explain today. Michele, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so are we. So uh, let's get going. So, Michele, um, can we go right back to the beginning first? If you could tell us who or what inspired you to work in hospitality. To be honest, at the very beginning of my career, um, well, when I was a, especially when I was a, a teenager, um, my dad used to, used to used to work nights, and occasionally he like, would take me to work with him. Uh, he used to be a delivery driver for. Uh, fruit and vegetables for supermarkets. And I remember being so excited about being awake at night and it was something that uh, I, I was so super looking forward to it. And then uh, I remember like when we were there uh, like at night and listening to the radio, I thought, you know, I'd love to have a job that allows me to be awake at night. Just because like you feel like this sense of like, first of all, peace and quiet, but then, you know, because there's no people around, you feel like you're in control of the entirety of your surroundings, which is quite a unique feeling. So. I always wanted to be either a DJ or or a uh, or a bartender because those were the two jobs in my mind that would allow me to be awake at night. And then, yeah, shortly after, I managed to find my way behind the bar. So, yeah, pretty good. Fantastic, fantastic. As we've mentioned at the beginning, you've worked in some really fabulous bars all over the world. What have you learned from each of the very particular regions that you've worked in? So, first and foremost, like my first... Um, opportunity was in my uh, hometown in the northeast of Italy. It's a small town tucked, uh, tucked underneath the Alps. It's called Lignano. It just sits by the sea. 
And I used to work in this five-star hotel there and uh, very, very old school uh, hospitality. Uh, my head bartender was like 50 at the time. And the cool thing about it is that, uh, so I think that the hotel industry with, with the, the fact that now it's so easy to travel, like it became a little bit more, um, like stays are like way shorter. Um, that's at least my experience. So people come and like to experience different parts of the world for a short period of time. And especially here in Europe, it's difficult to find uh, those uh, uh, stay people who stay for like month in a hotel. But when I started there, that was very much the case. So you'd have people that would uh, dedicate the entirety of their summer holidays to a specific location. And, you know, a, a key element of that when providing that service is, is, is having a, a big personality in each outlet. Uh, because at the end of the day, people go come back more for the people rather than the destination. And so the thing that I've learned the most there uh, was uh, about hosting people. Um, I remember being amazed about the fact that, uh, like, my head bartender had so many jokes, and like, just people would just sit at the bar and be glued to him and talk to him for ages. And and the whole thing was like, there was a beverage element to it. They would talk about drinks and wines and those sort of things, but it was very very personal, which I loved. Right, and then uh, coming from because um, I started to work in a travel agency because uh, at some point you know like when you're a teenager you think you want to travel the world so thought the travel agency would be the key to that so uh, i remember finishing my studies and then working in an internship in a travel agency and, and mondays were dreadful so people would come into the office with so much negative energy and i was like oh my god i, I don't think I, I don't think i can work in an office and and then like contrast to that while i was studying i was working in this hotel during summertime and i remember like people coming with bags of positive energy into the bar right and, and the duty of the head bartender then is to channel that energy, make sure that keeps the momentum, right? And, I, and, and I've noticed that, you know, that was something that I really wanted to do. So I think from Italy, I got that, you know, it's the, the, the relationship in between people. And um, yeah, which doesn't always work to do to bar owners' favors there, because at some point you, you have people who never leave a bar and at some point they don't drink anymore. So not great for the average check, but... <laughs> Great for returning guests. Um, then I moved to London and, you know, my dream when I moved over to the UK was always to work at the Savoy. Um, I was given a Savoy cocktail book as a gift from my brother when he, he saw that I was into bartending, right? So I thought, I thought it'd be a good, good opportunity to move uh, and work there. Um, but when I moved in London in 2008, the Savoy was shut for a major refurbishment. And I couldn't uh, couldn't get the opportunity to work there until 2012, which, uh, you know, I... Um, it was a, a very enjoyable time of my life. Um, it was about four years uh, there. And I promised to myself that after that job, I'll never wear a white jacket again behind the bar. So the thing about um, um, London specifically, and you can probably uh, confirm that, uh, is that you have so many high-quality bars in such a um, condensed space. And, and I think what makes London amazing, uh, and the reason why this offering exists, is because... Um, we have a very educated clientele. So London has a lot of people that are willing to go out and have martinis, right? Which is very unique everywhere in the world, really. Uh, perhaps with the exception of New York, right? And then, so as a result, there's a lot of internal competition and there's a, there's a lot of pressure to deliver. So I think what what um, the Savoy specifically, but London gave me was, was the ability to have to deliver always the best under immense amounts of pressure and, and uh, you know, under a short period of time. So I think that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, we had a lot of internal competition there as well um, in between bartenders in the team. And, uh, you know, I think 
what I really enjoyed about that time was having strong personalities like Declan that managed to guide that um, that internal pressure to make us uh, bond together more uh, and have healthy levels of competition. Uh, to the extent that I'm still in touch with the majority of people that I've actually worked with, you know, uh, there. So Luca, a dear friend of mine, came to see me like a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have a couple of dinners uh, once a year um, in Italy. Uh, we meet in Como. It's like a bunch of us. Like so, like it, you know, despite the fact that we hated each other at the time, you know, I think there was a lot of a lot of respect there. So we're still in touch, which is great to see. So I think, yeah, I think London gave me this, you know, like uh, this like determination and, and, and ability to perform under pressure. When in Singapore, uh, when I moved to Singapore, it was slightly different. So first of all, I think one of the things that um, a lot of people don't realize is that um, it's a quite humbling experience because first of all, you're moving to another country and 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 you're given that opportunity by, by, by the locals, right? And, you know, a lot of people take that for granted, but uh, I was quite pleased because Singapore is such a welcoming city. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, coming from a very um, high intensity environment like London to Singapore, um, the level of um, like raw bartending skill is, was a bit lower, um, but um, people were way more uh, like excitable, especially your team members. right? So uh, the difference there was about how do I get this amazing group of people to deliver a unique beverage program? And, and you know, so what I've learned there is like, it's actually getting group of people to cooperate together despite the fact that they had like vastly different backgrounds because here in europe even if you even in london we have a, a melting pot of different cultures but hospitality tends to be quite european based while there you had people from all over the world right from from literally any corner of the planet so getting to work getting all these people to work together and sort of like channel the, their, their their strengths into like one specific product so then it benefits the whole team so th that was uh that was that um, was an incredibly rewarding and enjoying, enjoyable experience. And then uh, here in Scotland, it's slightly different. Um, I think um, what, what people really value here is um, work-life balance. So um, the main, uh, I won't say challenge, but the main thing that I've learned here is, is how to manage that, right? How to make sure that um, hospitality becomes a viable career path, which is something that perhaps it's a bit more of a discussion at the moment. But yeah, just getting people to, just getting bar owners and bar operators uh, to to understand that um, in order for us to have a viable like team structure and a viable uh, like business, you need to make sure that you know people have a viable lifestyle and you know backs to backs and double shifts and a million hours a day uh, don't really don't really do well with family uh, life, right? So yeah, it's so we 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 invested quite a lot of resources in trying to make sure that we we meet that expectation and it's paying dividends. So that's probably what I've learned here. I mean, that's incredible that that amount of influence you've picked up, I guess, from all those kind of different countries, different continents. So putting that all together, would you say you've got a sort of individual style as a bartender? And if so, could you describe it for us? Yeah, so I think I st when I started bartending, uh, it was the full. I'm sure you remember it was the full Japanese swing, right? So like, if if you didn't if you didn't have a, a 65 centimeter bar spoon, you weren't capable of making drinks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, very early in my career, I picked up uh, a lot of focus on technique. So I used to practice a lot, like shaking for for afternoons, and you know, I used to practice like 
stirring and like uh, I, I used to stay after work and just uh, you know practice making drinks. So I'm I'm very uh, technique focused, uh, but uh, I think <clears throat> that mellowed down quite a lot um, over the time. So I still love techniques uh, driven bartenders, uh, and and I still practice that. So to but you know I don't I'm not too much of a snob now. So if I, if I don't see someone with with the proper bathroom, I, I don't I don't leave the bar immediately. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm quite technique focused. And then uh, um, another thing that I really like to do is to try to get the most out of the area where I work. So especially like for instance, I really liked in Singapore the fact that we were working with. Uh, so we, we did a small program over there. Well, it was relatively large actually. On nomadic foragers, where we would travel across different destinations in Southeast Asia. And uh, we would partner with different bars and producers to source ingredients or, or like techniques and then bring them back to Singapore. And to reduce the carbon footprint, we would work with uh, local indoor farms so we could get fresh lemon verbena all year around without having to import it from Hong Kong. And um, so, so what I've learned there and what I've tried to attach to my style is, is how to make the people around me believe in the product that we're delivering. And this includes very much the suppliers and distributors around you. So sort of have this like, like inject some energy in the air people around me so we can then deliver a cohesive product that is the best representation of the surroundings, that our surroundings. And it's very much transparent here in Scotland. So I think I'm quite technique driven. Um, and I think um, I like relatively clean, simple drinks that have a, a little bit of a, of a background and they give back to the, the community around us. And so how would you say that your various experiences around the world come into play in your capacity as head of bars at the fabulous Glen Eagles? I think um, that one of the main things about Glen Eagles is that because we have such a wide offering, so it's, uh, as you mentioned, it's 11 different outlets that we're, that we're on here. Um, we A lot of the work that we do uh, is about diversification. So how do we deliver something that still looks and feels Glen Eagles, but caters to everyone? So Because we go from a two-mission star restaurant to a pub and, and everything in between. And we, the majority of our guests uh, either interact with the hotel for a long period of time, so we need to make sure that we keep them engaged by providing them with alternatives, or um, they, are ba- they are members who are based somewhat locally and they need to find something they like in the hotel to interact with it. So it's about making sure that we don't have a redundant offering. I think uh, uh, having had the chance to work uh, in different parts of the world allowed me to sort of understand what, uh, how to diversify stuff and how to make sure that whatever you deliver is actually um, different fr- from, uh, from what's around you, but also um, has a strong brand identity. Um, because, uh, you know, the Savoy is all about branding, right? So the, Savoy is Savoy because of the green uh, Savoy logo outside, right? So and it's like, how does that transpire through through the way we make drinks? And you know, uh, in a way, if you look at the that specific building, you have the Bofur Bar and the American Bar, and a lot of our work there was how do we make them stand out but still feel like they belong to the same hotel, right? So and and a lot of that trans- like moves over here, and then uh, yeah, uh, coming back to to our nomadic foragers program that we had in singapore you know this is directly applicable to a lot of what we do here because it's it's a lot about finding the people that we can work with around us uh, to deliver this unique experience for people who want to experience i believe the best that scotland has to offer so that's what we try to achieve yeah so on that point 
Can you tell us a little bit about the sort of different drinks experiences at Glen Eagles and how you and the team have gone about creating those different experiences? Yeah, so when I, um, I was quite lucky, I mean, it's difficult to say lucky uh, and pandemic in the same sentence, but I, I was quite I was quite lucky that, uh, to join just before COVID because when we reopened, I had the chance to sort of like, it, it was more natural to hit the reset button. Um, I think uh, be- before my time, um, the um, there was this lack of identity of each individual outlet. I think everyone was doing pretty much the same, which happens a lot in five-star hotels because of our nature is to never say no, right? Uh, and, but in order to diversify, you need to say no to someone at some point. If someone wants to have a club sandwich in a steakhouse, uh, you know, in a five-star luxury environment, potentially you should say yes. But I would believe that like providing alternatives is much more powerful than than than, than saying yes to everything because it allows to diversify. So when I when I joined, the first thing I did, um, we had two strong bar teams, with the American bar team and the Century bar team, and they were uh, two separate entities. So the first thing I did, I just uh, brought both teams together and I created a huge entity called the Beverage Team. Um, it, which was uh, immediately allowed us to have everyone invested in every bar program feel a sense of ownership and rather than uh, the, the sort of dismissing the other outlets because of whatever. And then also like because everyone was involved in the process of making drinks for one outlet, it was much easier to explain to people the difference in between one outlet and the other. So that was probably the first thing that we introduced. Uh, the main uh, two main beverage offerings that we have here are... Um, the Century Bar, which is the main bar of the hotel, uh, it focuses around accessibility. So every drink that we have in there, um, so the menu itself is designed for, for people to just understand exactly what they're ordering before they get it. So we removed all drinks' names and we just call them with what we believe is the best word to describe them. So if a drink is hot, we call it hot. If it's creamy, we call it, cre- we call it creamy. <laughs> I love uh, that. Yeah. Uh, Daniel says I'm very lazy because of it, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then uh, yeah, and the drinks are divided into four subcategories depending on uh, which mood people are in or what they're about to do. So it's all about uh, what's the next action they're going to do. So uh, we have um, the first section of the menu, for instance, is inspired by the public house because it represents like easygoing and accessible drinks that people would order when they are in the public house. So they resemble a glass of wine or a beer. Uh, then we have... Um, drinks a section called uh, the glamorous uh, the glorious outdoors which uh, essentially uh, it comprises of drinks that are inspired by our surroundings so they're quite rich uh, herbaceous uh, wild uh, um, drinks that you would have after you had a beautiful outdoor activity then we have uh, the glamorous ballroom which is the section of drinks for like people are ready to celebrate so lots of champagne and those sort of things and lastly, we have the relaxing parlor, which is a which is a section of drinks uh, for people who want a nightcap. So we have things that are creamy, hot, and delicious. And um, yeah, the Century Bar also delivers the biggest whiskey selection in the hotel with about 160 whiskeys. We try to keep it as fresh as possible. So whenever some, we usually, unless something sells like crazy, once we 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 finish a bottle, we probably get something else in it instead. So gives us a lot of chance to play, but. Um, yeah, that, that bar is all about accessibility. So it's easy. There's a lot of preparations into the drinks, but unless you ask, you would never know, and everything is super relaxed because we just want people to have a good time. And then we have the American bar, which is our, uh, I like to call it our R&D space uh, because of our size, we, 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 we can afford to have that. Uh, and it's, um, it's, uh, it's a bar um, 
that feels very 1920s and the idea was to have Scotland flats, right? So the walls are covered in cashmere, which is tinted with lavender from Perthshire and everything in that room uh, recalls our surroundings, but in a very premium way. And for the menu there, we have decided to take inspiration from uh, some uh, pocket encyclopedias that were very popular in the UK between 1920 and 1997, uh, which were called the Observer's Guides. So they're a monothematical uh, pocket encyclopedias. You have things such as Birds of Prey, Flora and Fauna of Perthshire, that sort of thing. So we've decided to do the Book of Berries, which is a, basically it's botanical. It's a book full of cocktails that are made from botanical berries, which uh, essentially means one fruit, no, one flower, one fruit. So we have things like pumpkins and squashes and no raspberries and strawberries, which uh, causes a bit of confusion at times. <laughs> and the menu there has three different layers of accessibility because we want to make sure that we were making an encyclopedia, so we didn't want to make something super stuffy. At the beginning of the menu, we have something called the too long, didn't read version of the menu for uh, the millennials, such as myself, where it's literally just a list of drinks with a flavor map for the people that want to interact with the rest of the menu. Then we have the second layer of interaction, which is for people who want to know a little bit more. So each drink has an individual page where you see an illustration of the drink. Uh, it explains how we go about making it. And there is a uh, an illustration of the berry of choice, uh, which is scanned from one of the existing encyclopedias in the hotel. That saved us a lot of money, actually. And then uh, <clears throat> lastly, for the nerds like myself, right at the back, uh, there is a glossary where we explain in depth all the weird bits that we do so yeah it's so beautiful i must say to all of our listeners it's such a beautifully conceived menu and it's delivered really really crisply and cleanly and it's so collectible so you've described the drinks could you pick out three of your favorites on there please and tell us why tough question <laughs> yeah i know right yeah it's like asking me which was my favorite child i mean i'm not that yet but yeah. <laughs> no but so uh, first of all uh, the drinks are entirely made by the team so i'm just there to provide the structure for them to perform um so they're not technically mine so i'm about to claim ownership of something that somebody else made which uh it's, uh, it's okay i guess <laughs> no but essentially we have um, divided the, the drinks the, the menus uh, the, the sorry the cocktails in the book of berries into three loose sections when we were working with with, uh, with the drinks. So we have um, a number of drinks in the menu come from what we like to refer to as the Glenigos ecosystem, meaning that because we're a five-star property, we do need to have things such as avocados in because people just like avocado and toast uh, in the morning. So we have decided to uh, reuse some uh, secondary ingredients um, or, or waste um, um, from uh, other outlets uh, in order to source these ingredients. So, for instance, for avocado, um, which is probably one of my favorite uh, drinks uh, from that specific section, we use the stones and skins and we turn them into an orgeat and a tea that we then make into a Mai Tai sort of drink uh, that's served in a martini glass. Um, because of uh, us using a lot of secondary ingredients as well, we um, found out that the drink uh, color would not match what people would expect. Because if you order something called avocado, you'd expect a bright green drink. So what we decided to do in partnership with Richard Brandon, we, we, we hand-painted some of our glasses to give that sort of like bright green uh, or like bright color that would remind you of the berry that you are choosing. So for this specific drink, we've painted half of the glass in green. And the, the drink itself has the color of an avocado stone. So when you look at the glass uh, from the side, you can see that it's, it's got, it has the iconic green bit of an avocado on one end, 
And then on the opposite hand, you see this little bulge, which is transparent that allows you to see what we like to refer to as the, the stone of the drink, right? So it's got this visual element to it. Then um, another drink I really, really like um, is gooseberry. So gooseberry is a drink that comes from a different um, um, subsection of our menu, which is hyper-local berries. So those are berries that we've sourced from within Perthshire. So we work with local producers to get access to some of the, 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 the amazing produce that they have. Um, one of the challenges that we had with this was how do we get this all year around? And uh, we found uh, some amazing guys uh, at a winery up north here in Perthshire called Kern O'More. And they produce uh, berry-based wines. And this specific uh, instance, they allowed us to, to make a uh, gooseberry wine uh, with a touch of other flower. So we can get access to the most amazing uh, gooseberry ingredient all year around. Uh, they're just based here north of Perthshire. Last, last but not least, I think uh, uh, my favorite has to be the juniper. Um, so juniper is the third section of our menu, which is the signature berry. Uh, essentially, what we did there, uh, we um, we were watching like uh, Netflix, uh, Chef's Table, and there's this restaurant in New York where they serve you single cow butter. And I thought, how do we bring this into a bar? Because I loved the idea, right? Because it's literally butter, where then you can taste you know, what's the difference in between Cindy and whatever the other name of the cow is? And I thought, how do we bring Cindy in the game? And then we thought, um, okay, we can do a monobotanical gins. So we partner with a um, distillery north of uh, Edinburgh called Southlock. And uh, we have created three uh, monobotanical gins made uh, with obviously just juniper, but uh, we picked three different kinds of juniper and we've distilled them in a way that allows us to enhance their, their characteristics. So, for instance, we picked Italian juniper, and when we were trying it, we mashed the berries in our hands, and we could smell it was incredibly citrusy. So we asked them, how can we preserve this, this, this citrusy element? And they recommended us to do a vapor infusion. So basically, the botanicals sit in a basket in the still, and then the vapors go through it. So there's no contact in between the liquid and the berries. And... Uh, <clears throat> The uh, resulting uh, gin is quite light and citrusy, which is great for vodka drinkers. Uh, then we tried the Serbian um, Serbian berries, and uh, they had this peculiar oiliness to them when we crushed them with our hands, and then we make quick distillate, and we noticed that it was very creamy. So we decided to enhance the creaminess by blending the berries into neutral grain spirit and then distilling. So we extract 100% of the oils in a very short and fat still. So we encourage that, 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 that fat transfer, that and uh, yeah, and then we have that. So that's another um, gin that you can choose for your uh, juniper martini. And the last uh, juniper berry that we had uh, was the Macedonian uh, juniper, which was incredibly peppery. And um, so as a result, we decided to enhance that by making it 57%. So it's navy strength. So our guests can come to the bar and they can pick whichever uh, juniper they prefer. Then we make a martini with them. Uh, we use uh, dry sherry instead of uh, vermouth because we went to such an extent to remove all botanicals that are introducing them would probably be a bit a bit of a lost opportunity. And we started in a glass that we designed from the ground up that is inspired by British grass making of the 1920s with the last uh, uh, glass blower in the UK. And uh, we have made this uh, martini glass. has got a very thick stem, uh, which, first of all, as I said, it recalls glass making of the early 1920s, but also... Um, it allows us to retain temperature because we keep it in the freezer and it's a little bit thicker. 
And then uh, we have a little slot at the bottom of the glass uh, where we uh, managed to fit in exactly one olive. So we've designed the glass so we can fit a 1.7 centimeter Nucellar olive. So you don't get it to hit your nose on the last sip, which is something I hate. So, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most beautiful glasses I've ever seen. And the martini is pretty damn special too. So we definitely say to go to Glen Eagles to try it. Yeah, and, and we'll also put up a picture of that uh, that martini on on our site, so you can share it before you go to Glen Eagles. Indeed. So, on the the menu for the summer, so we're we're heading into summer. So, what lovely plans have you guys got coming up? We are quite lucky because of the the fact that we get to play with a lot of different pop ups in here. So, uh, during winter time, we get uh, we reconverted a. a, a gigantic private sp- uh, dining space into a winter lodge so it had this sort of alpine feel so for summer it's all about trying to make the most of our surroundings so we have um, we are doing a massive loan activation this year uh, it will be a bar uh, outside um, um, attached to like a seafood grill uh, area with deck chairs so people can sit enjoy the beautiful hills around us and then uh, have a couple of spritzes so it's going to be mostly spritzes and gin and tonics outside which is what people really like uh, so that's that and we're partnered with Hendrix with that. So we have a, a selection of different, uh, like, highballs. So, like, we have a gin and tonic and then a, a bunch of, like, things with roasted pineapple, sodas, and all that. So people can enjoy a little bit of, 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 of summer. And we get, like, about six days a year here. So that, that's that. Yeah. So that's probably one of the major beverage activations that we have uh, outside in the summer. But we also have um, uh, the Century Bar Terrace, so like one of the main bar that drives a lot of volume, has uh, a huge terrace space, and we will be serving a selection of different spritzes there. Uh, again, they're all focused around uh, accessibility. So we have a citrusy spritz, we have a bittersweet spritz, and we have a fruity spritz. So but I love spritzes. So I think every time summer's around the corner, I just put spritzes everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. And also, you have that wonderful um, thing that people can hire out, which we experience, the the wonderful pods. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well, that people could do something very special there? Yeah, so um, we were trying to look at ways we can deliver a sense of adventure uh, with the beverage experience. So the first thing that we, we did was picnics, uh, but we felt that we needed a little bit of a refinement. Um, so we came up uh, with uh, with the pot idea, which was a partnership original uh, originated with McAllen. Uh, we have um, located on our estate a beautiful uh, small uh, lock, and uh, we have placed two pods, um, glass pods there, glamping pods really. Uh, it's for for people who want to be outdoors, but uh, they don't like insects. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> outdoors for townies <laughs> indeed and so like uh, it's uh, you get two kind of experiences we have a lunch experience and a and a aperitivo experience the lunch experience has a a dining pod where you can go and have a a, a quite lavish uh like picnic uh with uh, lobster and all those things and then uh, there's a drink pods where we have a selection of pre-bottled cocktails that people can just make there uh, so essentially, they're, they're all pour and go over ice, and uh, they have a little cabinet. It's all help yourself kind of thing. So we literally drive you there with a Range Rover, then we abandon you in the wild, and then we come and pick you up in three hours, hoping to it's, find you it's alive. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. 
And also, we just have to ask you about your beautiful um, special bottlings that you have, because you've got so much going on there. But we just want people to know that there's so much that you have to offer cocktail and drinks lovers. Yeah. So one of the things that we've been working on was um, was a whiskey. So we had um, in the past, Grenigos has done some, some whiskeys somewhere. Uh, but what we were looking for it was a more structured experience that would then uh, drive um, collectability. So we wanted something that people either want to connect, collect, but it's also delicious if they decide to drink it. So the first uh, thing that we wanted to do was a partnership with a, with a distillery to have a distillery bottling with our label on it, um, rather than just a repackaged cask like most independent bottlers do. We were quite lucky to um, um, find... Uh, Glen Turret, which is a distillery very close to us. Uh, they are quite um, dynamic. They've been bought by Lalique recently, and they are um, very food and beverage focused. The restaurant has a Michelin star. It's the only distillery with a Michelin star restaurant here in Scotland. Not aware if there's any other in the world, actually. And uh, so we decided, due to their size, they're quite dynamic. So we've decided to design a whiskey from the ground up. Um, it's an 11 years old. Uh, it's a blend of um, both um, bourbon casks and sherry casks, which is quite traditional. But the idea was to have a, a, a whiskey that is quite accessible, easy to drink. And uh, we release 750 bottles a year and we're on edition number two. And the packaging uh, reflects the hotel, but uh, also it's a direct distillery bottling. So, you know, it has this sort of like collectability to it. Uh, so that's one. That's our everyday whiskey. It's available um, in limited quantities in the shop. Uh, we also run a whiskey shop uh, called The Steel Room. And then, <clears throat> but it's also available in all the bars um, uh, for an accessible price because we just want people to, to, to enjoy it, really. And then um, for a collect, uh, from, another, from a collectability standpoint, we have also decided to do a series of uh, um, single cask whiskies that we've bottled uh, in collaboration with Speciality. Uh, called the Pursuit Series. So we partnered some of the molds um, uh, with some of the activities that you can do here in Glen Eagles and based on flavor profile. So, you know, if we thought that that, 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 that the whiskey felt quite quite powerful and potent, we'd go for like a, a shooting whiskey. Uh, if we felt that uh, whiskey was like good and relaxed and chilled, then we'd go for fishing. So that sort of thing. We have four different... Um, so for this year, uh, we release a different Pursuit Series every year. For this year, is four different bottlings, uh, ranging from Royal Black to Kaolilla. Uh, but I think the star of the show is um, Imperial, which is a quite, it's a closed distillery, closed in 1997. And it, they used to produce this very grassy and oily spirit, um, absolutely delicious. Some people say that uh, that's the case because the distillery was super dirty. I guess we'll never find out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we also bottle at Tobermory. Tobermory is a distillery that's quite close to my heart. Um, Brandon, the, the, one of the master distillers, is such a great guy. He comes to the hotel quite a lot. And Tobermory produces some out, outstanding whiskeys. So, yeah. So we'd all love to be heading to Glen Eagles. But for those of us who might still be around the world in other places, you mentioned spritzes and so forth. Could you give our listeners a few sort of tips, if you like, for some simple, refreshing, lovely summer drinks? Yeah, so I love... Uh, I love having drinks ready here, um, especially because I, my loving and caring wife loves cocktails, uh, but also like uh, she doesn't really like making cocktails uh, that much. So it's good to have something always ready for her. Um, and so like the first thing that I can recommend is uh, one of my favorite drinks is, ne is Negroni um, and to have a uh, 
can't stress enough how, how good it is to have a pre-diluted bottle of Negroni in your fridge. I'm sure someone has mentioned this in the past, but it's super easy. Essentially, you just have, you know, one quarter of water, one quarter of vermouth, one quarter of uh, gin, and one quarter of Campari. And you can just literally chuck it in the fridge and then you just put it out whenever you need. But then also, like, uh, in terms of spritzes, what I really like to do, um, uh, first of all, we are quite blessed at the moment because we have so many different sodas and tonics coming to the market. And, um, you know, the, the, the bridge in between tonic water and soda is becoming thinner and thinner. Um, we used to have, uh, tonic used to be like just 100% quinine and water and, and sugar. And now that you're starting to have hibiscus tonic, elderflower tonic, and, you know, they're becoming less and less bitter, more and more accessible. <clears throat> Pivot Tree is doing some fantastic stuff as well. But a lot like London Essence also, uh, you'll find lots of smaller producers doing that. So what I really encourage people to do is to buy, like, exotic tonics uh, because they add a lot of flavor without having to do any preparations. And then just mix them in your favorite spritz. And by spritz, I mean all you need is a sparkling ingredient, um, possibly wine if you want to, which is optional, and a liqueur. Um, so, for instance, I really like to buy different liqueurs based on the flavor that uh, that they have. Google peach liqueur if you like peach. Buy a peach bottle. Do you like elderflower? Elderflower tonic. Put everything in a glass, and uh, that's it. So it really works. I think. You can experiment a lot with uh, with the pre-bottled tonics that you have out there. And then one thing I really like to to, to stress is that um, um, I can't believe I'm, uh, I've seen this, but like I've, every person in the planet seems to be making spritzes the wrong way. Uh, it's like um, the sparkling, well, in my experience, liquors have a lot of sugar, so they tend to sit at the bottom uh, while the sparkling ingredients sit at the top. And so if you build them with uh, liquor first, and then you put the sparking ingredients, then you need to input a lot of kinetic energy into the drink to mix the ingredients, meaning that you lose carbonation, which is a cru uh, crucial bit of, of, uh, of spritzes. So I always like to put the sparking ingredient first and then the liquor on top. So then the sugar you know, will tend to go towards the bottom, the bubbles will float towards the top, and then they just mix without you having to mix it. So yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, because as a bartender, we're always drilled in the fact that you need to put spirit first and then you put the rest. Well, I think if you do it the other way around, especially for spritz, it really pays dividends. And... It's a great tip. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. So, Nikoli, thank you so much for your time. We've learned lots and lots. And we do, as we say, recommend everybody to, to get down to Glen Eagles. And if, if they can't, to buy one of your bottles. But also, they can listen to you on your Unjiggered podcast, which you set up before, which will be great. So they can find out more about you and the bartenders and people in the industry that you've interviewed. But um, we just say, head over to the Glen Eagles website, find out what they're up to. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website thecocktaillovers.com.